2: And Super Bowl champion Sean King on v the Sports Betting Network. <music>
3: We are off and running on a Thursday night from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. That gentleman right there is normally Sean King, but uh, Mr. King is on assignment. So we've called the bullpen. We've called in the... Are you a lefty? I am a lefty. Oh, we call in the lefty. Bring in Wes
4: Reynolds. Talk some preseason football. I don't know if I want to admit to that, though. I might get people mad at me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know where you're going on that, but uh, we'll ride with it. Uh... Uh, We got the lefty from the bullpen, Wes Reynolds. We got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, We will continue our summer conditioning with the Indianapolis Colts. Lo and behold, we have an Indianapolis native. In the house, S- summer conditionings. You're not making me run gas. No, though, no, not right now. Sorry. I'm gonna make you do up downs like Dan okay. Campbell. However, <laughs> I will say, second episode of Hard Knocks, eh? Not as, uh, not as raw, raw. Well, maybe, maybe that's well, what the Lions well, needed. I, I enjoyed the the uh,
4: discussion in Aiden Hutchinson's suite, and I'll leave it at that.
3: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, I actually didn't finish it. I am still waiting for the. Uh, I'm at the game uh, footage, but uh, I enjoyed Amon Ross St. Brown and seeing. Uh, his, uh, his, no
4: surprise that his dad was like a Mr. Universe contestant or something. Oman's Ross St. Brown is jacked. Well, he uh,
3: yeah, he and his three brothers, Equinemius, the oldest, went to Notre Dame. Uh, Osiris, the middle, went to Stanford. And then mm-hmm. Amon Ra was arguably the best. I think he was the most highly touted recruit. He's the youngest, and uh, he uh, got to uh, pledge all of the, the players, the wide mm-hmm. receivers that were selected uh, ahead of him. So there you go. There's your little uh, synopsis on uh, hard knocks from a couple nights not, ago. Not that he has any bitterness. No none, none, no, none whatsoever. We do have a preseason game going on right now. Uh, any uh, any action on the preseason game Nothing tonight? for me. I missed the number. When it was 40 or
4: above, I did want to go with the under for this game. But that's the thing with preseason. It's like if you miss the number, these things move so fast. Yeah. Because there's such less liquidity and such less money in the market that I think, you know, these are all information-based. So if you don't get those numbers then you know you want to pass or maybe wait for an in play but so far so good for the bears 17 nothing looking to go 2 and 0 in the preseason even though i do have a bet on them at 12 to 1 to have the worst record in the regular season so oh. uh i'm not trying to get too spooked now as i believe he might be marked down at the one there Bears trying to go up twenty three to nothing
3: here. Yeah, so uh, I, I, it's almost a good thing because then the Lions, when they went winless, then they go undefeated in the preseason. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I would not. Uh, yeah, so
4: don't panic. I wouldn't.
3: I wouldn't get too spooked. I,
4: I, I fully anticipate the Bears. Don't panic. Justin Fields has got to be out there full time, seventeen weeks behind this offensive line. So I don't think that's going very well.
3: Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would agree with that assessment. But uh, we have the graphic up for those of you watching with us on Veasan or on. Uh, YouTube TV, wherever you may be, is the, uh, the uh, Chicago Bears have just punched it into the end zone to make it 23 to nothing with an extra point pending early in the third quarter. That total at DraftKings Kings closed 38 and a half, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, uh, and uh, the line closed Seattle minus two and a half, or excuse me, minus three and a half. So you're feeling, I don't I don't, I don't think this would be a mush, um, and if it is, you can feel free to clip this off, uh, folks. But uh
4: it's th- preseason, so I, it's I, unofficial. I, I right? think
3: you're pretty good if you if you yeah. took the points with the Chicago Bears tonight.
4: Well, Pete Carroll is going to be doing a lot of that, discussing on the headset, walking back and forth. What the hell happened there? That's going to be a regular sight in Seattle this season.
3: Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. So uh, we got a preseason game going on. Uh, we will have uh, a couple preseason games tomorrow, including New Orleans and Green Bay. Uh, they've been practicing together. All week, we got news uh, yesterday that there was indeed a uh, a meeting between uh, the wide receivers and Aaron Rodgers, and uh, and then over the weekend on Sunday in Cleveland, we will get the Philadelphia Eagles against the Cleveland Browns. And Deshaun Watson played in the first preseason mm-hmm. game. He will not be playing any more preseason games. That is not where the suspension starts. But he could play. They have decided not to play him, which makes sense because the ruling came out today, early this morning. Wes, as many know by now, but in case you didn't, it's our job to remind you, the NFL and the NFLPA reached an agreement on an 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Settlement also includes a $5 million fine uh, that will go to charity and then also some counseling. Um, You know, look. We can get into if we were uh ESPN or FS one or whatever, you know, we could get into, you know, is there any remorse from Deshaun Watson? Right. No, there isn't. But we are a gambling network mm-hmm. and let's focus on the gambling aspect. And we'll talk to Adam the Bull from Cleveland, noted personality there in Cleveland. In less than 10 minutes, we'll get his perspective, his feelings on what's gonna happen with this team. But the facts are this right now, Wes. Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns for the first 11 games. Now, could they go get Jimmy Garoppolo? I guess anything is possible, but as of right now, it's Jacoby Brissett. You look at that schedule, uh, and it is, uh, it's is—it's easy early, yeah. but then you get... Those that middle third there you
4: see on the graphic, that's where it gets difficult.
3: Really difficult, and uh, if you're once again tuning with us, the middle portion of that schedule that we're showing you He's out for all those games. Game one, coincidentally enough, at Houston, week 13, his former team. But yeah, after the easiest schedule based off win total, in week number one, only two road games, only one game in which they are playing a team with an over-under, expected to put them in uh, above 500. Now, the new schedule includes, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the new suspension, I should say, includes the Baltimore Ravens. Cincinnati Bengals, the Dolphins who are expected to be an above 500 team based off of the odds, uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills. So the middle portion of that schedule, I would say that is what likely leads to the demise and the likelihood of the Cleveland Browns oh. not being a playoff team.
4: Well, how about where, where he makes his uh, return, by At the way? Houston. That would be Week 13 in yeah. H-Town against the Texans. Think they'll uh, be a little juiced up for that one? Yeah, that'll be juiced up. I don't know if Nance and Romo are getting assigned to that game for CBS or anything, but I think certainly it's going to have some hype around it. And Look, we don't expect Houston. They're still in the midst of a rebuild down there, trying to see if Davis Mills, he, got to, he has basically one year to – say, hey, I can be a starting quarterback for this franchise until maybe Houston drafts a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud. But in terms of the Browns, you know, I was kind of thinking, OK, when is this suspension coming down? And I thought maybe if it was anywhere from six to eight games, I would wait in season to play the Cleveland Browns potentially over. However, it's not just the Watson thing and, and what the quarterback play is going to be. You look at the roster and there's talent on this roster. However... What we saw last year, and I think the main reason the Cleveland Browns did not make the playoffs in 2021, I don't think it was necessarily due to Baker Mayfield. I know Baker Mayfield was up and down a little bit, but it was the fact that the offensive line got banged up and they had injuries really all up and down that roster. And we've already seen Nick Harris. Looks like he is going to be out for the season, the center for Cleveland. Cleveland has one of the better offensive lines in the league. That's why they're one of the best at running the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I actually like their young receiver core, even now without OBJ. Amari Coopers looked yeah. really good. From I like Donovan
3: Peoples-Jones.
4: Yeah. I think he performed down the stretch. I really love David Bell. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm an Indianapolis guy. But <laughs> this is a guy that I think can make a difference for this team, especially underneath, especially in the slot. So I think they got a steal there. So you look, and they've got good coaching, and they got good talent. But it's like, what do you really make of this team? Now, you didn't see, my, I don't think, really a ton of a drift. Uh, In terms of the AFC North, what were they plus three twenty? Now they're like three seventy five, four dollars in that range. So it's not like all of a sudden they went to six or seven to one, because I don't think that there's a lot of separation necessarily in that division between these four teams.
3: Well, I'll say this: you know, looking at DraftKings and then comparing it to Circa, and you know, look, you can look all around and see what they are. But these were the two that I just pulled up. DraftKings right now to make the playoffs plus one sixty, yes, minus two hundred, no. Here at Circa, plus 230, yes, minus 270, no. You Mm -hmm. know, Circa, I give them credit. They kept it up the entire time. Right. And they were very – and I I applaud them for this because when the initial ruling came out that it was six games, they didn't really adjust. Actually, they went slightly the other way, Wes, because – and I said this the day – because it came out on a Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I returned from vacation that Monday, and I I was hosting with Adam Burke that night. I said, look, if it's six games – Browns are probably in good shape, but I can tell you one thing: I don't think the NFL will stand by that. And ultimately, it is 11 right. games. So you know, we talk about with win totals, especially in college football. Um, sometimes you gotta lay gotta lay some juice. Or in a in a conference, you know, would you lay the price with an Ohio State at you know minus three dollars or whatever to win the conference? When you look at the Cleveland Browns and the strength that is the AFC, right? The the AFC West getting incredibly you know stronger. Um, you know, the Ravens, I'm high on them. Sean, not so much. Is minus $2 a price you'd be willing to lay, or do you wait and... See how the start of the season yeah. goes, Wes, because they could start because of that schedule and the talent they have on the roster. Well, they could get some wins well, early on. Well, I am
4: going to wait and see because, look, we've uh, this is deja vu for Jacoby Brissett. Keep in mind that Andrew Luck retired about less than two weeks before the season. All of a sudden, Jacoby Brissett became the starter. I think he's had a little bit longer to kind of plan for that this time around. But... At the same time, when we saw Jacoby Brissett in Miami, he, he he didn't look the same. I thought he was very competent and very solid in Indianapolis. So it's like, which Brissett are we going to get? And the fact, are they maybe going to be in the Garoppolo sweepstakes? Now, Garoppolo sweepstakes probably uh, a, a big of a reach there, but the Browns have like $48 million in cap space. So it's not necessarily a money issue. But it's like, okay, does Jimmy Garoppolo at this point make you that much better? Mm-hmm. And that's what Cleveland
3: and, and the guys are going to have to determine there. Well, remember this no draft pick, no first round draft pick, of course, next year because of the Deshaun Watson trade. So anyone thinking out there, oh, they could just tank mm-hmm. and then they'll get a great draft pick. No. Nope. You know, the Houston Texans would get a very good draft pick. So a lot, a lot to, uh, to figure out and to discuss when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. But of course, the big news of the day that Deshaun Watson suspended 11 games. That's Wes Reynolds sitting in for Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. We head to Cleveland next. We talk to Adam the Bull. Get his instant response next.
0: If you dare, here are three reasons.
2: This is the nightcap on V the Sports betting Network.
3: Welcome back in. This segment of the Nightcap is being presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you. Check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N. Com. Warning this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Alongside Wes Reynolds, sitting in for Sean King tonight, I am Tim Murray. We will continue our summer conditioning a little earlier tonight, breaking down the final team of the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk to Matt Taylor, the play by play voice of the Colts, in 15 minutes. But right now, let's head to Cleveland. Big story of the day, of course, Deshaun Watson. Uh, suspended 11 games, fined $5 million, and we head to uh, no one better, in my opinion, out in Cleveland. He's been there for over a decade. You can follow him on Twitter, at AdamTheBull, and he's uh, the host of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull, daily Cleveland sports podcast. Uh, Adam, before we jump into the ramifications and all of that, you know what were your expectations once the NFL... Uh, appealed the initial ruling of 6 games. Was this around what you were anticipating for uh, the suspension length?
2: Yeah, I never thought it was going to be the full season despite the saber rattling from the league. I thought it was going to be 12 games, so I guess it was one less than I thought. It's weird how we always I feel like everybody predicts an even number which is odd, but it turned out to be an odd number with 11. So, uh yeah, it's a it's right in the ballpark of what I expected, but To be honest, I mean, like everybody else, I was just guessing nobody really knew, but uh, it seems, you know, kind of what we, we, many of us were expecting. I think some people still thought he'd be suspended for the year, but once you heard rumors that, that they, and we were hearing rumors going back to Tuesday that they were getting close to a a settlement. Once that came out, obviously you knew it wasn't going to be a full season.
4: Adam, uh, we know that the Browns have been preparing obviously for somewhat of a lengthy suspension for Deshaun Watson and there was a report that came out from Mary Kay Cabot last week that Jimmy G maybe could be a consideration for a Browns trade. Do you expect that to happen though at this standpoint?
2: I would trade for him if I were them. I don't think I don't think so. I mean, after being in camp earlier this week, uh, you know, and talking to some people there and it, it, it doesn't seem like they're interested in going down that road now. Maybe now that they know the exact amount of games, they will change their mind. Obviously, there's cap issues potentially for next year because right now the Browns have a lot of cap space this year, which they can roll over to next year because Watson's contract obviously is much bigger next year, but not just him, but Tonio, two of their offensive linemen, Miles Garrett, all have big raises coming next year. And so they're going to go from a team that has a ton of cap space this year to really none next year. And so that's a factor, but I don't think, you know, I think he, I think Garoppolo gives them a better chance to stay afloat without Watson. I think they should do it, but my my impression is right now is that they're not going to go down that road, that they believe in Brissett more than most of us do, and they're going to stick and they're going to roll with him for now.
3: Chad, once again, with Adam the Bull. Check out the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, a show that he is uh, a part of there in Cleveland. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam the Bull. Well, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett for 11 games, and you know when that initial suspension came out from Judge Robinson, the six games looked very manageable. It was the easiest start to the season, but now you tack on the next five, and that's where things really get interesting. You know this roster and how, how much talent there is on. Is Jacoby Brissett, from what you've seen in camp, capable enough to keep the Browns afloat to be challenging for a playoff spot be challenging for the division by the time Deshaun Watson comes back in week
2: 13 I think he can keep them afloat depending on what your definition of a float is like if I, I when I when somebody asks me for a prediction I, I think to myself okay if they played this season 100 times what scenario would would happen most often and in my opinion, the most often result of those 11 games with Jacoby Brissett, I think, is five and six. I think that's their most likely scenario. Is that staying afloat? Probably. If Watson played great in the last six games and they won five or six of them, they could make the playoffs. That won't be easy, considering it'll be two years almost since he last played a game. But if you consider five and six staying afloat, I think he can. And, you know, Anything more than that is going to be tough. You mentioned it. Those five additional games that he's now suspended for, you're playing the Bengals, you're playing the Ravens, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, and the Bills. I mean, the Dolphins are probably the worst of those five teams, and they're at least decent. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard for Jacoby Brissett to win. You know, if he went if he went two and three, you would be thrilled, I think, in those five games. So he- they're really going to have to dominate, I think, in those first six where the only really good team they play is is the Chargers, to have any chance. But I, I'm going to bet that they, that they go five and six. But in the end, I think their most likely final record this season is nine and eight, which is you know very likely not good enough to make the playoffs. So they're going to need some overachieving, and the defense and the running game, which are very good, need to be elite, especially in those first 11 games, to carry Brissette.
4: Adam, a lot of the national narrative in terms of from the outside looking in following Cleveland was kind of, okay, Baker Mayfield was very erratic at quarterback. But I think kind of an underreported story, at least from the national media, was the fact that this offensive line was not healthy at all last year. And when it is, it's very good. It's one of the best in in all the NFL. But you're already seeing the injuries kind of come back and rear their ugly head now with Nick Harris likely out for the season. So, In terms of uh, the offensive line, do they have the depth to make up for it if they get more injuries because they did not last season?
2: Um, I am concerned about it. You know, your starting center last year was J.C. Treader. They cut him. He's still a free agent. Why they have not brought him back, well, I say I have no idea. I know why, because the team was not happy with him as the NFL PA president, and they felt like he kind of sabotaged their offseason a little bit last year. I've been told that the coach is not thrilled with J.C. Treder, and that's part of the reason they haven't brought him back. You know, maybe it's possible because they cut him that he wouldn't want to come back. But Joel Betonio, the Browns, you know, All-Pro left guard who who spoke uh, earlier this week and never says anything controversial, made the point of saying he thinks that Treder doesn't have a job because he's the NFL PA president. So if he believes that, and he's willing to say that, which again is unusual for him to say anything controversial. You know, I think most of the players probably think that, and it seems pretty obvious because he was still a really good center. And now your number two guy, Nick Harris, who was going to be your starter this year and has a lot of potential, is hurt, as you said. So now they're going with Ethan Pochich, who was a bust from the Seahawks, and I don't have a lot of faith in him at all. That's a big concern. You mentioned it. Their left tackle, Jedrick Wills, was banged up last year. Didn't play well. Their right tackle, Jack Conklin, was hurt last year, and he's been hurt a lot. He's healthy right now, but... It's a big concern. They're set at guard. Uh, they have Chris Hubbard, who's their best swing tackle. He was hurt last year, but he's healthy now. He's adequate if they need him, not great. But I am very concerned about center, especially, and and the depth. You know, most teams don't have great depth on the offensive line these days. But at center, I have a huge concern there. And I don't know why they won't bring back Treader. It's crazy to me.
3: Adam, wide receiver wise, uh, the addition of Mari Cooper uh, certainly the Cowboys I feel like are kicking themselves with their lack of depth at the wide receiver position. Uh, I've seen some glimpses, at least from camp, that he's looked pretty, uh, pretty solid there. Uh, you know, what are your expectations of these wide receivers? You know, Wes and I were talking a little bit earlier in the show about David Bell, both both Wes and I pretty high on the, on the Purdue Mm -hmm. product there. So, uh, you know, wide receivers, you know, at the end of the day, right. It's going to be the other pieces that have to kind of hoist up the quarterback position. It it would assume for, for 11 weeks, we know the running game's good. As you mentioned, are the wide receivers good enough to, to continue to kind of prop up Uh, Jacoby Brissett?
2: Yeah. I question whether they are, I do like bell as well, but he's been banged up in in camp and he's a rookie and, You know, rookies have made more of an impact in the NFL in recent years, but uh, he's got a lot to prove. Anthony Schwartz, last year's third round pick, is just can't hold on to the ball. He's not, you know, watching him. He doesn't feel like a natural football player. He feels like a track guy trying to learn how to play football. Kind of reminds me of when the Bengals drafted John Ross a few years ago. I know the Bengals drafted him in the first round, and Schwartz was drafted in the third round. But he feels like that type of player. Like he's an excellent athlete, but he's not really a good football player. You know, hopefully he can come around. Um, I don't love any of their receivers. I mean, Amari Cooper's good. He's not an elite wide receiver, but he's in that next category. He's good. But I think I'm, you know, I'm concerned. You mentioned center. I'm concerned there. I'm concerned about wide receiver and then defensive tackle. Those are the three areas of concern, obviously, in addition to quarterback to Watson. So, I think there's some potential at wide receiver, but I'm a little, you know, I was hoping they would bring in maybe a Will Fuller, especially because of his relationship with Watson. I know he's injured a lot, but I think he probably could have had him cheap, especially at this point, you know, to just have another veteran who's done something in the league. Uh, So, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, again, has potential. I thought he'd take a step last year and it didn't happen. So they don't have a proven number two guy, and that worries me.
3: He is Adam the Bull, no better up in Cleveland, the ultimate Cleveland sports show. Check it out daily there in Cleveland. Hey, Adam, appreciate the insight. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right, more to come. Talk some Colts next. Check out the VEASAN store for the latest and for free today.
2: This is the Nightcap on VEASAN, the sports betting network.
3: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon. Now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Wes Reynolds, who's sitting in for Sean King tonight, I am Tim Murray, and tonight we talk about the Indianapolis Colts. I did not drink responsibly. I drank very
4: heavily after that game against Jacksonville to end the season, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> for my horseshoes.
3: Yes, you, uh, the Colts fan is here, and we're breaking down the Colts. Uh, we had former Colt, Of course, uh, Sean King had, uh, I would say, a cup of coffee in the mm-hmm. preseason. But let's get to our guests. There was some guy named Manning ahead of him. Well, so. there was some guy named Jim Sorgi ahead of him. Uh, oh, the radio, ouch. the radio voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. We're not talking Jim Sorgy right now. We're talking Matt Ryan, uh, Matt, uh, how has the new signal caller looked so far in practice and, uh, you know, this week getting an opportunity with those live practices against the Lions.
5: Yeah, well, we can talk Jim Sorge if you want to. He's my former <laughs> broadcast partner and, you know, just all around good guy. And one a good of my human good friends. being Yes. But no question about it. He is the pride of, uh. Pride in Michigan, went to Wisconsin, but yeah, Matt Ryan has certainly looked the part so far. They had joint practices this week uh, with the Detroit Lions, and he looked really, really good in both days. In fact, I think he only threw like a combined four incomplete passes uh, on Wednesday and Thursday of joint practices this week, and honestly, uh, a majority of those were were you know drops and bobbles by his supporting cast around him. So he has come in and looked really, really sharp. And listen, it's, it's, it's a difficult balance that he's uh, dealing with right now because at the end of the day, he's the new guy. You know, I know he's going into year number 15, uh, but he's kind of the new kid on the block with a new team. And it's uh, you know, he's trying to come in. Everything is new around him, right? A new team, a new uh, city, a new fan base, new playmakers, a new scheme, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. It's all new for the first time all at once for him in his career. Uh, but I tell you what, he, in, in short order here in the off-season workout program, and then through about three weeks here of training camp, um, he has struck this balance of respecting the process, buying into the culture, but then also coming in and being able to kind of assimilate and be a leader on the field and be a leader off the field. And he's kind of a different guy uh, off the field than on the field, and I, and I think that's a good thing. You know, off the field he's pretty laid back, down to earth, and He's one of those guys that can strike a chord with just about anybody. You know, you guys know NFL locker rooms. They're all made up of, you know, guys from all over the country, different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. And he comes in, he's just able to kind of find that one or two things he can build a relationship with, with everybody in the locker room. Uh, But then on the field, he's not afraid to get into you a little bit. And he does it in, I think, a, a tactful way, a productive way. So all of those things combined have produced a, a really good relationship so far between the Colts and Matt Ryan, trying to you know go after that Lombardi after it eluded him a couple years ago with the Falcons. Um, but it's I, I think you're going to get a typical Matt Ryan type season where he's throwing for over 4,000 yards, 25 to 30 touchdowns, high completion percentage around 67, 68. If you get a typical Matt Ryan season this year uh, with this Colts team that's well built around him, really good offensive line great running back and Jonathan Taylor should be a great defense there's no reason why the Colts shouldn't win double figure games and challenge for the AFC, AFC South
4: Matt Taylor the voice of the Indianapolis Colts joins us and uh, Matt your signature call of course is touchdown I-N-D-Y and you <laughs> said that regularly when Jonathan Taylor got the football last year but look I know that Frank Reich and Marcus Brady, they kind of want, you know, you're not going to really put him on a pitch count necessarily, but they used him a lot really down the stretch. Uh, There was a piece, I think, from Stephen Holder at ESPN talking about that. So when you look in terms of finding new weapons and finding chemistry with the receivers, do you expect that Naeem Hines is going to be a more integral part of the offense here this season?
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not just lip service. I mean, they're they're living that out. And they wanted to do it last year. It just didn't come to fruition, but I think that again was where Matt Ryan comes into play because historically he's been a guy that gets the ball out fast and he's going to let those playmakers go to work and get the ball to running backs and tight ends out of the backfield. So, you're exactly right. I mean, Jonathan Taylor last year set the world on fire, led the universe in rushing, set all kinds of franchise records touchdowns galore, I mean, 1,800 yards, 21 touchdowns, all of those things, but guess what? You're exactly right. The Colts missed the playoffs, right? They were 9-8, and eight, missed the postseason. Jonathan Taylor became the first rushing champ in the NFL to miss the playoffs since Maurice Jones drew in 2011. So, I, you know, if he doesn't rush for 1,800 yards and, uh, again, just completely dominate, uh, you know, from a running back standpoint, Um, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Colts. They need more balance. And listen, you can have the greatest rushing attack, which the Colts did last year. But if you can't throw the ball in the NFL, you're just not going to win. You've got to be able to win on the outside, especially down the stretch when teams were just crowding the box. And you go back to week 17 against the Raiders, the Raiders were just daring the Colts to throw outside the numbers and win on the perimeter. And they just couldn't do it. I mean, the Colts last year threw for over 200 yards in a game just twice in the last eight games of the season. So they've got to be able to figure that out. They've got to be more efficient. They've got to be more balanced. And I think that's where Naeem Hines comes into play. They're using him a lot more on the slot. He's going to be a good fantasy player for what that's worth. He's going to touch the ball probably about a dozen times a game between the running game and the passing game. I think he's destined for at least 50 scrimmage yards per game and maybe a couple of touchdowns um, or, you know, in the mix, I should say for a touchdown per game, uh, inside the red zone, if all goes well. Um, but you know, you've got Michael Pittman jr. Coming back a 1000 yard guy last year. Um, you've got Hines, but then after that, it's, I think that's one of the storylines for the Colts so far in training camp is who's going to be that number two. They drafted Alec Pierce wide receiver out of Cincinnati. He's coming along strong, but at the end of the day, he's still a rookie. You know, Paris Campbell really hasn't been able to kind of stay healthy throughout the course of his career. He's only played in 15 games in three years, but he's just oozing with talent if he can kind of put it all together. So, who's going to catch the ball from Matt Ryan, and how are the go- uh, how are the Colts going to remedy their problems in the passing game last year to take some of that uh, pressure and that load off of Jonathan Taylor ripping off big runs in order for the Colts to score?
3: Talk once again to Matt Taylor, uh, the voice of the Colts on, on the radio side. And, and Matt, I want to stick with the wide receivers because my normal partner, former NFL QB, Sean King, he likes the Colts. Both he and I think they'll win the division, but he has questions about the explosivity at that wide receiver position. Uh, I'm a big fan of Alec Pierce, but you know, at Cincinnati, I think he'll be solid, but is he a guy that can take the top off? So is there is there someone you believe that that can kind of start break things, maybe loosen things up a little bit uh, there at that wide receiver position?
5: Yeah, I I don't know. Um, And and that's the thing. I I don't think we're going to have that answer until we start playing regular season games. You know, September 11th is the day, you know, when the Colts take on the Houston Texans down there. Um, I I don't think we're going to have a clear cut answer. I mean, Right now, if you, if you played a game today, your, your, your top four would be Pittman, Pierce, as you said, Paris Campbell, as I alluded to earlier, and then Ashton Doolin, who's kind of that twitchy slot guy. He's played a lot in, uh, on special teams in the past, but they think he's ready for more. And because of his versatility, he's going to make the team. Uh, but, you know, if you keep five or six receivers, you know, it's kind of down between an inex- inexperienced group, it's a talented group. And it's got potential, uh, but at the end of the day, it it hasn't produced uh, to the level that the Colts need it to because it hasn't had that opportunity, right? So you're talking about guys like Desmond Patman, who was a sixth-round pick a couple years ago at a Washington State. Mike Strawn, who was a Division II guy out of Charleston, he was picked up in the seventh round last year. This guy's huge, but again, you know, it's a big learning curve last year. Chris Ballard, the general manager at the end of last season, talked about, you know, just, he just didn't have enough time to kind of acclimate to the speed of the game and, you know, the, the nuances of the game. And his COVID season in 2020 got wiped out. So, you know, he was kind of having a redshirt season last year. Kiki QT, who they, um, you know, uh, picked up uh, in an acquisition last year. Um, he's played some in the NFL with the Houston Texans, but has been kind of up and down. He's been on practice squads. He's dealt with injuries really hasn't put it together from a consistency standpoint. So it's, it's those types of players that the Colts are dealing with that are trying to round out the, the back end of their roster at receiver. Um, but there's no question. I mean, I talked about Michael Pittman Jr., a 1,000-yard guy last year, doubled all of his production from his rookie season to last year. But the Colts were the only team in the NFL to not have two players go over 385 receiving yards. So it doesn't matter. They need more from the tight ends. They need more from the uh, the running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. They certainly need more out of the wide receiver position. You know, T.Y. Hilton wasn't brought back in free agency. So the topic that we're talking about right now has certainly been a lightning rod conversation piece all off season here in Indianapolis.
3: He is Matt Taylor, the radio voice of the Colts. Matt, appreciate the time. You got it, guys. Thank you. Much more on Wes Reynolds. Indianapolis Colts next.
0: Regular season
5: football is just around the corner. The VSIN team. This is the nightcap on VSIN.
2: Sports Betting Network.
3: The VEASAN College Football Guide is out now in our NFL guide that drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team with team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus Best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price of an annual subscription and bet smarter all year Long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Alongside Wes Reynolds, who's sitting in for Sean King, I am Tim Murray. Wes Reynolds, one of the hardest working men here at VEASAN, filling in on Odds On earlier today, <laughs> working hard on the, uh, on the NFL guide, already a big part of our college football guide, so... Uh, a lot to get to in that noggin over there. We are, West we are finishing
5: up
4: that guide today was kind of the deadline. It may extend to Friday morning, uh, maybe a couple more things to add, but that will be out next week.
3: Yeah, uh, and you are one of the divisions you're taking a look at in depth is the NFC or excuse me, the AFC South, which of course is where your beloved Colts are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are one who I don't know if you and I bet the same all the time, but you and I like to kind of go against the grain. Is there, you know, our team's getting overvalued. So I I just want to, before we jump into the, you know, the nitty gritty of this Indianapolis Colts team is that is who we're, you know, breaking down today is thanks again to Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts at this point, when it feels like everybody's fading, the Tennessee Titans and everybody's on the Colts train Does that worry you when you look at you know everything that's out there? I'm just pulling up right now as we as we show you the odds. Colts are minus they're actually minus one thirty, so I don't know if that ticked down today uh, to win the division. The Titans are plus one sixty five, so it looks like maybe a little buyback on the Titans this past couple day or two. uh, The Jags at plus seven fifty, and then the the Texans at thirty to one. Is there a bet to be made right now? In this division, in your opinion, Wes? In terms of a win total, probably not at 10. I think that's about
4: the right number for the Colts. Uh, I still like them to win a division. I bet them at even money. So did I. Though, so, you know, now it's starting to get there at 130. And I think the the fate of Tennessee, because if you look at Tennessee, and we'll get back to Indianapolis momentarily, they were 12-5 and and got the number one seed last year, despite losing Derrick Henry to that Jones fracture in his right foot in week number eight. However, if you really look inside the numbers, they very much overachieved. They only outscored their opponents by a total of 65 points. So, you know, they should have been probably at least two wins uh, below their record. Six uh, and one, I believe, in, uh, was it one score game? Yeah, games? six and one in games decided by three points or less Three last points year. or less. Wow. They, they had the lowest DVOA and Football Outsiders database of any number one or two seed in history. And look... They lost at home to a team in the in the uh, divisional round to Cincinnati, who'd never won a road playoff game in 54 years of existence. So, and they sacked Joe Burrow nine times, and still didn't win. Yeah. Absolutely, and you look and you wonder. Is this going to hang over a team when you get a loss like that? Sometimes that is hard to get over in an offseason and it carries over. So I wonder what that is going to be. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill did not have a great game. Three interceptions uh, there. You know, three years ago, he's come back player of the year, led the NFL in passer rating. Now he's got Malik Willis maybe looking over his shoulder. Is Derrick Henry going to be, you know, what he was going in? The receiving core obviously has a lot of work to do. Traylon Burks has been very much a rookie. In camp, so you know, everybody expects him to go be great right away, he is not so far. The defense, I still think, should be solid, offensive line still in flux. So, I think it's kind of like Colts are getting a lot of support. Maybe some people are enthusiastic about them, and some people are kind of looking at them by default, Tim, because we obviously don't think Houston's ready to challenge in the division. Jacksonville should be improved just with a better culture with Doug Peterson at the helm, but still. They have some holes on their roster. So you look at Indianapolis and I thought uh Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts who joined us last segment said, look, they got to find receivers that are going to step up. And mm-hmm. if you watch the first preseason game last Saturday afternoon, and you never want to overreact, but the one thing about it that I'm trying to figure out is are the Colts having legitimate issues, getting separation at the receiver position or the Buffalo bills, do they just cover the hell out of you? And I think it's a little bit of the latter for sure, because they are very deep in the secondary, but That's what Indianapolis has to do. They have to find guys that are going to make plays. I think Michael Pittman is going to be very good. Paris Campbell, the speedster out of Ohio State, has never been able to stay healthy. So that's why I asked about Naeem Hines, because I think Naeem Hines has got to get some touches, and he is a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. But they really did have to overwork Jonathan Taylor, and I think a lot of it was because they didn't have the the confidence in Carson Wentz. You look at Naeem Hines, he had 89 carries in 2020, but only 56 last season. He had 63 catches in 2020, but only 40 last year, even though his yards per attempt and his yards per catch were the highest of his young career. So I got to think that they have to use this guy to kind of open up the field a little bit. They took an injury at tight end with Ogletree, the kid they drafted out of the sixth round. Jack Doyle is now retired. So is it going to kind of be guy by committee with Moe Cox and uh, Granson and Jelani Woods? That's probably what it's going to have to be. But nevertheless the Colts are going to have to throw the football and prove they can throw the football. They only threw it on 52.6% of their plays last season. That was the fifth lowest mark in the league and the lowest ever for Frank Reich.
3: Yeah, we have the season props up for for Matt Ryan and uh, an interesting kind of nugget when you look at Matt Ryan's career uh, stats is you know he has exceeded those numbers uh, and then some pretty much almost every mm-hmm. year of his career. Uh, we'll get in that in a little bit, but just, you know, to me, look, this is a team that we know how last season ended. They lose Week 17 to the Raiders. They go to Jacksonville as a double-digit favorite. They lose to the Jaguars. Uh, you know, look, I, I like to 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 rag on on Sean because for some reason he's he's infatuated with Carson Wentz. I don't know why. Uh, but he wasn't the only one who failed in that he game. He was the
4: scapegoat.
3: Yeah, I mean, the defense didn't step up, uh, you know, but he also did not play well. And And Jim Mercsay, you know, clearly had had made up his mind that it, it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring in Matt Ryan and, and to hear and and look, I, I, this isn't a knock on Matt because you know Matt Taylor, I thought was 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 honest about the wide receiver position. He said, "I don't know, I don't know who's going to step up from everything that you've heard, and we'll see it next week on hard knocks." Matt Ryan has looked pretty darn sharp. Yeah, uh, and, and that's I think what they need. They need a quarterback who's not going to lose them games. You know, so they've got a good offensive line. You know, obviously Ryan Kelly had to deal with it's unspeakable. it got to
4: stay a little bit healthier though, because Kelly yeah. and Nelson, who are their all-pro guys, especially uh, Big Q, fifty-six. Yeah. They had some injuries last year, and they got to stay healthy. They got two new starters, but what Matt Taylor, I think, and he briefly mentioned it in the last segment. You know, Matt Ryan's not afraid to get in these guys. You know what? And I think, and he has ca-
3: their respect too, yeah, right? And I, and I and think Carson Wentz, need that. Carson Wentz. I'm curious. You know, we've got a little bit of a glimpse of it in the midseason hard knocks. That's yeah. not going to fully tell the truth. Obviously, there was the vaccination thing. How did that go over? You know, all that. Ob- he was
4: certainly more of a meek personality, I think, than Peyton Manning was, or even Andrew Luck, to a certain I mean,
3: degree. Matt Ryan has has won an MVP, right? He's mm-hmm. never won a Super Bowl, but he's mm-hmm. been there. So I think immediately there's maybe an extra level of respect that Matt Ryan Ryan Garner's, uh, you know, going into Indianapolis. That's just my two cents from afar, right? And
4: a bit of a chip on his shoulder because look, Matt Ryan had been there 14 years in Atlanta his entire career and then all of a sudden, they kind of look and kick the tires on Deshaun Watson. And I think Matt Ryan kind of figured out, okay, this is the end of the line for me here. So I better go to greener pastures and maybe this is my best chair in terms of a last shot at a winner. So I absolutely think that he has these guys' respect. And look, Shaq Leonard is the leader of the defense. What's he his still, health situation? He is still battling. He had some back surgery and ankle surgery in the offseason had a little... Uh, like I think like a pinch nerve in his neck, but they expect that he's going to be ready for the regular season. They're not, they're, they're kind of playing coy and not saying what the timetable is going to be because look, you don't want to put any misinformation out there, you know, under promise over deliver, so to speak, lower expectations. And that's what I think Reich and everybody is going to do. But Shaq Leonard is a guy that should be an absolute beast in Gus Bradley's defense. If Gus Bradley brings to this defense what I think he's going to bring, which is you know maybe a little bit more pressure, not just from your front floor, Matt Iberflus, who's now the head coach of the Chicago Bears, a lot more zone, a little bit of Tampa slash cover two, Gus Bradley, I think, wants to bring pressure, and that's why they traded also for Yannick Ngakwe yep. to go aside from Quiddy Pay, who I think four sacks as a rookie, he had a solid rookie season out of Michigan. But that's the thing with the Colts. They were like bottom, I think, six or seven in the league in terms of sacks. They got to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks because their secondary got put in jail way too much.
3: Well, and they're going to be starting a rookie, it seems. Uh, another Terp, Nick Cross uh, will be, it looks like, one of the safety positions, Stefan Gilmore. Uh, I'm high on the Colts. I think they win mm-hmm. this division. Uh, I know the prices is, is starting to get a little pricey on the division, yeah. which makes you a little bit worrisome. Uh, so we'll, we'll examine maybe some alternative routes to bet the Colts. Uh, but w- I came on this show. I'm sure you, are, you know, on the thousand shows that you've been on, uh, we mentioned the Colts at, at at a good price of even money, still at minus 130. To me, they're the best team. We'll get to more on the Colts a little bit later on in hour number two. But up next. We head to the Pac-12. I haven't really talked much about the old Pac-12. Talk to Yogi Roth next right here on the Nightcap.
5: Check out the VEASAN store for the latest and greatest in